All right, what's going on? Welcome to Canal and Bell on this Wednesday. A ton of stuff that we have to get to, including the Shaquille O'Neal-Dame Lillard beef. Just got a little bit more heated. Yeah. Uh, we're going to break that down later in the show, along with our shoe showdown. We're also going to do a heavy amount of NBA, plus uh, Patrick Mahomes, just how good is he, including that comeback win in Detroit over the weekend. We're going to break that down. But I'll let you choose where we start the show, Raja. Would you rather start with the Major League Baseball playoffs, which were last night, or NHL, NHL puck drop tonight, regular season? Which one do you want to go? Uh, consider I didn't even know it was opening night, and I did see part of the baseball game. Oh, you did? Let's go with the baseball the game. baseball down? Yeah, I mean, was that Hater first? Yeah, Josh like, Hater, they yeah. got to him after all that. Ten innings last year, no runs allowed, all wins this year one inning three earned runs allowed Look and at my the loss. guy this is unreal this yes. is talking baseball with Correct. Rashad Bell this Correct. is impressive uh that's about all you're gonna get from us though <laughs> don't think I can because I don't okay? I'm pretty, I was taking back you did a little research <laughs> I love it I love it um all right let's get there with um with baseball one of yeah. the things that is interesting in the sport as you had the Nationals Brewers playing last night and it wasn't that long ago where teams are celebrating Division titles, they're getting into the playoffs, and sometimes it's just getting a wild card spot. And in the NBA, if you were in the regular season and you had clinched a playoff berth, was there a celebration there was in the no locker celebration, room? No celebration, no. None. Now, if you, if you clinched a division title, mm-hmm. you, you could have some kind of celebration. You get but not popping bottles. You're not popping bottles. You get your t shirts and your hats and, yes. like, you know, but yeah. just to say you were a conference champ, but no, no, not popping bottles. And that's just getting into the playoffs, dude. Like, we're trying <laughs> right. to win a championship. Exactly. As the Nationals now were saying their scene last night, I mean, they're, they're celebrating like they won a World Series. This is a little bit obscene. Like, this is absurd to me because you're playing against the Dodgers now. You're probably going to get rolled. I get celebrating a win, but your end game, wouldn't it be to win the World Series? It would be to win the World Series, you'd have to imagine. And and for those who have never, like, competed um, at a super high level and felt the emotional, like, like rush of winning something, and then, you know, subsequently the the emotional letdown right after that, it's a very real thing. So, I, I, like... When do they turn around and play the Dodgers? What, they got what? a few days. I think it starts. It's really hard, though, yeah. your first time back out after something yes. like that to be focused Absolutely and ready is. to go. Like, if I'm the Dodgers, I'm thinking, celebrate all you want. Do man. It. We are dialed in. We're focused on this one. Right. And I would actually love the team. Like, you've seen other teams who act like you've been there. Like, hey, and your goal is you very clearly like, hey, this is an impressive achievement, but this isn't all we want to achieve. When you celebrate like that, it looks like you're happy with that. Yeah, I mean, and that's – I mean, that's – you hit the nail on the head, right? You have teams whose goals are two different things, right? Yep. You see it all the time. We you played on teams where you're like, you know, we're going to crush them. They're just happy to be here. They've already achieved their objective, which was to get to this point. Ours is, you know, the end game is four games from now, so yep. it means more to you. Like you're hungrier. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch on to see if they can maybe catch some momentum from that celebration. But I would still lean to the Dodgers in the NLDS as that far as that goes. All right, we'll be on the baseball playoffs a little bit here yeah. and there as we get some good right. games coming up. Uh, but we'll keep you posted on that. But it is NBA time. The NBA season is getting ready. There's some preseason games already taking place. We've had media days. Zion Williamson, I think, is the biggest phenomenon we've seen since LeBron James. Now, does that mean I think he's going to be LeBron James? Very much remains to be seen, but he is going to be a polarizing figure that people are going to watch play this season. He's going to have a lot of expectations seeing uh, him play. Um, And he talked about it a little bit at their media day. Here's uh, Zion on being ranked highly as a player by people before even seeing him play in a game. Uh, I think he said it well. Uh, I can't focus on the outside stuff. Uh, I got to focus on me and what I can do to help the Pelicans win. And because I focus on stuff like that, I feel like that would be very selfish of me. Um, 
because I think we all have the same goal in mind as to make the playoffs and make a run. All right, so he says, hey, it's what you want to hear out of him, right? Hey, our goal is to make the playoffs, make a run. They've got an interesting squad they've assembled there with your guy David Griffin in New Orleans. But I think it's going to be almost unobtainable for him to reach the expectations that have been put on him by me and other people in the media. I think you've been uh, one of the ones that's had a little bit more of a realistic approach. Yeah, I, he's going to be interesting because there's a the style that they're going to play um, – and the roster that Griff and staff there have amassed around him are going to allow him to kind of do what he does, which is be super athletic, run the floor, finish. Um, you know, J.J. Redick and company are going to create some space out there on the floor so he'll have these lanes which he can use to, to highlight, you know, that athleticism and possibly get to the rim. So I, I think, though, Danny, that he could wind up having a fantastic year. Um, statistically, um, you know, I just would caution anyone who thinks that the Pelicans are going to give him the ball like like the Cleveland Cavaliers gave LeBron the ball as a rookie and said, here, dude, we're going to play through you. Take us to where we need to go. That's not going to be what Zion's job is for for the Pelicans. Like, you've got Drew Holiday. You've got J.J. Redick. Um, you've got Derek Favors. Um, Lonzo. You've got other people that are going to have the ball in their hands. He is going to be a finisher. Mm-hmm. And they've done a good job, again, of, of creating that roster to a point where he can be a finisher. Do you think... This is, he said, his goal was to make the playoffs with that roster. Those guys you mentioned, a very uh, competitive Western Conference. Do you think they're a playoff team? I think they could compete for a playoff spot. Um, yeah. the, the West is, is uh, in my estimation, and probably a lot of people's, a, a, a lot tougher than the East. But I do think that they will be a sneaky good team. I, I think that, again, some of the names I just mentioned are, are veteran players who have been in playoff chases. They've played, um, you know, in, in playoff series. I, I think. You know, that is uh, critical. You've also got players like Drew Holiday, who's probably feels like, if I'm reading into it, maybe overlooked a little bit, living in the shadow of, you know, of Anthony Davis there, has something to prove, chip on his shoulder. Uh, I think Lonzo Ball is going to flourish this year in that wide open system with Alvin Gentry and those guys. Um, I, I do think that they will go out, they will play hard. I think their culture is going to be dramatically different than it's been in the past, and I see them competing. I don't know that they get into the playoffs. Uh, but I see them being very competitive in the Western Conference for a playoff spot. Go ahead, Joey. What do you got? Yeah, Raj. I was I was actually thinking about this. Um, statistically speaking, for Zion, with all the hype, what does he have to do as a player, as an individual this year, to not be considered a disappointment by people? Because there is so yeah. much hype, and I don't think he can live up to it just as a rookie this year, especially because they are pretty good. Like they have a lot of pieces. What does he have to do statistically as a rookie to not have people dogging him like, oh, he he wasn't what we thought he was? Um, I mean, he's got a high bar set for him. I would I would say twenty a game, um, and probably twenty and eight would be where you could say unequivocally that yep he did it. You right. know what I mean? Right. Uh, anything short of that, you're going to have people saying, "See, that's not what." Um, and what would be what would be a massive let? Because I think if he's at sixteen, seventeen, I don't think that's a massive. It's disappointment. not a massive disappointment. I'm saying like it, for everyone to put their stamp of, of approval on it, it's got to be similar to like the game doesn't have to look like Lucas, but the numbers have to be in that range. I think if you see him come in around fourteen and and you know seven or eight, I think you're going to have people saying, uh, and right. it, like sixteen to twenty, like we're fine. And I I would think. You know, when I'm just spitballing, I thought like 18 would be a really good number. 17, 18, and 8, 8.5. Um, 
you know, they're going to play with pace. He's going to be out in the open court. Drew and Lonzo both want to push the ball and get up. I, I think there is a, I think there is a, a, a canvas there for him to for him to be able to do that. I would just caution people again. Like this is when you're talking about LeBron James, Luka Doncic, like people like that. These are primary ball handlers who initiate offense, they ignite offense, and they create for others. If you think you're going to see uh, Zion drop into the NBA this year and do that. You're going to be let down because that's not what he does right now. And 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 even if that were going to be who he is as an NBA player at the end of the day, this team isn't set up right now for him to have the ball in his hands do, doing the lion's share of the work. So I just caution those people. And in Luca's case, he came in already polished. Like, well, that guy's been a pro. That guy's been a pro for six years. Luca, we still saw it at Duke. Like he's a very raw talent. It's an incredible raw talent. Um, ESPN put out a list of top 100 players. They had him ranked 42nd out of all the players in the NBA. Now, if you decide to set 42nd, you're like, all right, let me give you some players who are behind him. Okay. At 43, Kevin Love. That seems a little bit absurd to me. Um, then you've got Miles Turner at 44. Ugh. You've got Aaron Gordon at 45. Guys who have accomplished a lot. DeMar DeRozan at 45. Like, these are all yeah. established NBA players yeah. who have been there and consistently delivered statistically and win-wise. I just think that's the type of unrealistic expectation that we're putting. Maybe down the road in five years – he could be ranked and have a much better career than all these guys, but to come in and put him ahead of those this point in the game, who wrote I think that? Way too much. Who wrote that? Oh, this is the end. Here's the, again. Uh, listen, I don't know. We I do this all the time. <laughs> we just trust that what the stuff that we're reading is 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 written by like you know I don't know the gospel. Right. It's not like these you know these guys miss all the time. Come on, it was their expert panel. Demar, it's our expert panel. Demar Derozan, that's a slap in the face. I think so too. That, that guy's been a perennial All Star. Right. Like wherever he doesn't matter if you took him out of Toronto, he did. You know he, he still did his thing in in San Antonio. That's ridiculous. Kevin Love, little slacking. Miles Turner is an up and coming. So is Aaron Gordon. Uh, this is like the Baker Mayfield effect to some degree. Yeah. For a different reason, right? Like this isn't by Zion's um, own mouth that this has happened. This Zion's been relatively, you know, yeah, he's handled. He, he's he hasn't done anything humble in this situation, right? Back. Yeah, um, but it's there nonetheless. And I do think you're going to have a similar effect uh, by teams that play against Zion this year. Yeah, and you talked about people kind of putting that target on on Baker and wanting to show and prove. I think Zion's going to see that to a degree. Um, not his fault. But just with all this hype and 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 lists like this, you, know, you get people saying, "Oh, word, yeah, oh, you think he's, you know, you're <laughs> right? Gonna, that's what you're gonna get." And we saw that happen with Lonzo. Remember, we said, yeah. "Oh man, it's his dad putting on him." Inevitably, it's gonna come on you. It's gonna come down on you when you are a publicized player that gets a lot of attention. Right. Those other players notice. Like players get jealous. They look at no doubt. And say, hey, why are not? Why you, you're talking about this guy hasn't even done anything yet. So it's obviously gonna be something. Uh, we just mentioned Luca uh, and what he could be for Dallas this year. Kristaps Porzingis, who is his new teammate there at the Dallas Mavericks. Um, says he and Luca could be a nightmare for other teams. The quote was, if they want to switch, he can attack the mismatch or I can attack the mismatch. I think it could be a nightmare for the teams going forward. We just have to develop the chemistry on the floor. What would your expectations be for this Mavs team in year one of this duo? Um, I'd just like to see Chris Tapps be healthy. Yeah. I mean, that's gonna. it sounds crazy, but he's given no indication that he can stay healthy. I don't think he's... He's played over 70 games in an NBA season. Um, the last couple, were sh they kept getting shorter and shorter. So for me, I'd just like to see them on the court together a lot. Give me give me like 73 games together on the floor. Um, both of them have remarkable skill sets. I think Luka has got to be the breadwinner. You know, and yeah. in year one, that has to get sorted out. 
like who is going to be the guy, and then who is going to who's Batman and who's Robin. Yep. Right. And if they can sort that out this year, don't you think Kristaps would be okay with that? I don't know. You don't. I don't. And I don't. I don't know that he won't be. But that's that guy's dubbed the unicorn a couple years ago. Like he took the NBA by storm. Like he he was the darling of New York until it got sideways there. So I'm sure there's somewhere deep down inside of him where he, if you asked him, all competitors are like this: Who's better, you or Luca? You think he's gonna say Luca? Right. He's not. So like I'm not saying that he won't defer, but but they have to sort that out before you can get to really winning. Like, those type of things, chemistry-wise, have to be ironed out. For sure. Uh, we were just watching videos. They had Kristaps shooting around, a little shoot-around with Dallas. Now, the thing that I've seen that's gone around is, hey, Kristaps is bulked up, and there's this picture of him in the training room, and he's, like, kind of yoked, and he's looking tan, and he's just out of the weight. Like, he literally looks like he just got a lift in. Yeah. When I saw him shooting there, I don't think he looks that much massively different. Yeah. Are you expecting, like, we're going to see this new-look Kristaps? Do you think we'll see a different? Yeah, I mean, I you, you saw Giannis fill out. Like I, I think Chris. Yeah, Daffel some of it's age. Like, yeah, mature. He'll continue to fill out and mature. I, I don't know that you should be looking for the bulk to change dramatically the way he plays. Like, do you know what I mean? Even when he was skinny, Chris Stapps was going after heads. Like Chris <laughs> Stapps was dunking on people and doing stuff that you typically didn't see uh, long, lanky, you know, European players type of doing the doing the past. You know, and so. I think he'll play the same way. The bulk will help him, um, and I think he'll continue to bulk up, but I don't think he's going to be yoked and playing in the post. You know what I mean? He's right. going to play his same style. Yep. What, Raj, when uh, assuming Porzingis gets healthy and he can get back to the level he wants, where does he rank in, in the duo era right here? Um, or him and, him and Luca, obviously. I mean, they would be the, they would not be in that list. I mean, they'd be right after that. They'd be seventh, maybe in the NBA. Uh, you know, some of the ones you're looking at: LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George with the Clippers, Steph and Clay, the Splash Brothers, Kyrie and KD. Now, uh, which will take a year before Kevin Durant gets healthy. Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum with Portland, and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Those are all all those are all all star names. Yeah. You're talking about. Yeah, it's hard to make a really strong case against any of those guys. Like, yeah, putting the, them above them. The only the only the only duo there that like doesn't have a guy maybe in the conversation uh, for best player in the league even is uh is um the C J McCollum and and Dame Lillard and right. they're both fantastic in their own right. You know what I mean? But everybody else there has someone on that list where you're like, man, he could if you know this were to happen, he could be the best player in the NBA. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like those are really special lists. I think they would fall just short of that, Joe. Um, but look, if Chris Stapps were healthy and he's put the injury bug to bed um, and then he can find that trajectory that he was on because it was a nice trajectory. I mean, he was, you know, 18 and eighteen and 7 um, the year before he got hurt. And then the next year he was like 22 and 7, uh, but he only played 44 games, shooting like 40% from the three-point line. Luca's at twenty one and eight as a rookie. Yeah. Um, if if Chris Tapps were to stay healthy and continue on that trajectory in a year, you could be talking about them in the top five duos in the league for sure. I hope he's healthy. That's my big thing. Like when you get these bigs, like seven footers, and we've al- who's already struggled somewhat with injuries. He's already had some other kind of. I don't know exactly the way things went down in New York. There were some kind of accusations that were floated from the front office about his work ethic. Was he buying in? Just. Some of the stuff you hear, but I'm more worried Did about you blame the injuries. Him? No, no, exactly. I mean, if you're a team that's one of the worst in the NBA, the injury things are clearly what would concern right. me more. 
And I know it's just, hey, you should be able to come back from this and be full go. But sometimes the bigger dudes, I don't know if their bodies are so unique, they just struggle taking the wear and tear. I just hope we see him back. Because like, it was fun to watch him play when he was the unicorn flying around. So I hope we get, like you were saying, 72 solid games out of him. I think that'd be a massive success yeah. and see what they could do and maybe make a playoff run in this season. All right, welcome back to Ken Ellen Bell on this Wednesday. So you were just reading the update right there that James Johnson was sent home by the Miami Heat for not meeting conditioning requirements. I- um. I'm curious to know from an NBA perspective, because I would know what this would mean in an NFL, you know, kind of environment where there's certain tests that you have to pass, whether it's a mile and a half run, which the Dolphins used to do in the 80s, which was really dumb to have offensive linemen run a mile and a half. They'd be dropping like flies. Other teams, shuttles, uh, 40-yard dashes, you have to do 10 of them consecutively with a limited amount of uh, rest in between. you got to meet a certain time. Is that what this is? Is this a weight thing? What what would be your guess with James Johnson? What's going on with the Heat? Um, I would guess there's some kind of conditioning test that you'd have to pass to get in. Um, but I've heard the Heat before, you know, find people for body fat. Like they do body fat weekly. Um, if you if you make their list, I guess you know of of, of like repeat offenders, they might have you on a program where you have to prove to them every week that you're not you know abusing the, <laughs> your 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 food intake. Yeah. Um, so it could be a combination of them where you came in and you were pudgy and you didn't have your body fat right and you couldn't pass the conditioning test. But that that I. I had never really heard of it. I was unaware that it happened to James Posey and Antoine Walker. Did you ever play on a team that had a weight that you had to meet? No. And so, like, you never were subject to a fine system or anything? No. Now, now, now it's pretty popular. Like, it, most teams, even I, – now, I had it at different teams. Like, when I was in Denver, my weight was 215. And if I was a couple pounds over, the guy would just say, hey, you know, let's not let's keep an eye on it. My rookie year, <clears throat> my first two years – the strength coach was a little bit more old school, uh-huh. and he set my weight at 216, but I was 222 at the combine, and I was a little thicker back then. Right. And I would come in, and if I was 217, a pound or two over, I would get fined 150 bucks a pound. Really? You're a rookie. You're like, man, that's 300 bucks. Like, yeah. And then it can double every week. Right. So if I came in another two pounds, that 300 pound. would be 600. Right. You know, so all of a sudden it starts escalating. So on Fridays, which was weigh-in day, you would come in, you'd have to weigh at 9 a.m., probably like, or before the 9 a.m. meeting, you'd have to weigh in. So, you know, if you got there at 8, you could do it then. But a lot of times, and I found myself in this position of the quarterback, which was kind of stupid. Sauna. Sauna, steam room, and it was jammed. Like, yeah. all dudes, like, in there, and everybody's trying to sweat out their 5 pounds, 10 pounds, whatever it was, just so you could make weight and not get fined. And then the practice was kind of a joke because guys are just gassed. Like, they're exhausted. Right. They got nothing in them. I think that's counterproductive. Like, I, I see it doing a youth football because they're, they're, they're yeah, you know. for safety to, to, Yes, but like as a professional, I would be judging you off of could you do your job or not. Like a, yes. a two pounds is not stopping you from doing your job. Right. Um, now, if you have a history of ballooning up and you can't get done what I need you to get done, maybe we have to talk about that and figure out a system to keep your diet in check. But for the most part, like I, I don't understand calling over a couple pounds to the point where guys have to sweat out all their <laughs> was, fluids just to avoid know. a fine. I've been out a decade. Maybe it's changed somewhat. Right. Um, but I think the NFL is different too. Cause you got a lot of big boys right. who, who will, you know, in the off season, you're training, they're lifting a lot of weights, doing a lot of conditioning. You get to the regular season. You're not as much. They can balloon up. So they got to keep an eye on it. The finding is probably a little bit too, harsh right but some guys would would balloon up and but they wouldn't but, care. but again like yeah and i've been on teams job yeah right, like so for you like I, I or for me let's say no one was ever worried about my weight i didn't have any weight right i wasn't going to be overweight now there may have been guys on my team that were on a weight 
plan. I don't know. Right. But like for you coming into my locker room as a quarterback, I would care less if you had three damn extra pounds on exactly. you. Exactly. You know what I mean? It didn't it matter. As long right. as you can make the completions, make the throws, it's all that mattered. Uh, somebody who's really good at those, probably doesn't have to worry about his weight, is Patrick Mahomes. So Patrick Mahomes has been lighting up the NFL. Yeah. His first year last year, 50 touchdowns. And this year, until he goes to Detroit, ends his two-touchdown-a-game streak. Uh, he didn't throw a touchdown in this game. It wasn't his best performance. They found themselves trailing. But this is one of those things where it's an intangible. You can see he has the arm strength. You can see he can make all the throws. But I think what might make him the most special is the leadership aspect. So NFL Films had released a video of him talking to his offensive line, to his team, the right before the drive. So it's, you know, they, they're waiting to get the ball back. He goes up to them all, and he just sits them down. And we can't play it because we don't have the rights to it. But I want to give you some of the aspect of the things that he was saying to his team. And I loved it because it was 100% calm. It was 100% in control. So he said, we don't have to do anything else than being ourselves. I truly believe that. If we just be ourselves and believe in each other, we can go down there and put points on the board. We can do what we do. Next line. We can do what we do. Don't try and go out here and do everything for yourself. Believe in your teammate. Believe in each other. And when we get these opportunities, we'll go down. We'll find a way to win this game. Now, it sounds corny. Like, and I'm sure a lot of quarterbacks give similar type of talks to their teams. But he went around, looked every single player in the eye. And that is half the battle of getting your teammates to believe in you. Yeah. And that's what he was asking them to do. We believe you can do this. You don't have to do anything special. You just have to play within the system. We'll get this done. And I thought it was a really solid message for Dia, for your kids, yeah, sure. for anybody, young player. If you're you know thinking about how to achieve success, man, go watch how he handles himself on the field because it's pretty special. Yeah, um, those are always interesting moments for me that, that – uh when everything is going crazy around you. And I, this is kind of what I say to my son, like especially at a position like that or as a point guard, right? Um, quarterbacks and point guards. You have to have the ability when everything is going crazy, and it will be, yep. everything is going crazy, to be the, the calming voice. You have to be the one that does not go crazy. You keep your poise. You have to be able to articulate a message to people because they can't – their brains are racing. Someone's got to reel them in and give them what they need to hear. Um, and that's what truly does separate, you know, good from great. When you have a skill set to go along with the ability to do that, yep. people will look at you and be like, you know what? I needed that. Let's go. I got it now. We're, we're together. That's what allows you to be maybe, you know, one of the all-time greats. And that's pretty cool. And I left that game feeling, despite, you know, them sputtering and the drops and him not throwing touchdown passes, I believe in Kansas City more after that game that I did before it yeah. because great teams win when they play bad, when they don't have their A game stuff, when it looks like they can't get it done, they just figure out ways to win. And so like, that's what I took away from that game. Sure. They looked mortal, but they still won. Do you know what I mean? And that's what good teams do. Absolutely. And that's exactly what you saw. It wasn't their best performance. And there was that calmness. And look, a lot of guys I've been out there. Hey, we can do this. We got to believe there was something to the truth in his message too, about, don't do anything crazy. You don't have to do anything other right. than play within the system. And that's a really sound message to believe. Because too many quarterbacks even try to make that hero throw. They'll force it down there when there's still, you know, it may not sound like a lot, but there's still 53 seconds left in the yeah. game. That's a lot of time. And then, But some young quarterbacks panic. Ah, I got to make the play. Right, right, right. And he just calmly, and if you watched his demeanor, you could tell the demeanor that he had in that moment when he was talking to his teammates carried over on the field. He was totally calm. Hey, there's no panic, not frantically run around like chickens with their head cut off. Right. It was, 
I'm the send. I got uh, here's the play. We're gonna get up. We're gonna run it. They were going fast, but it wasn't panic. And you know, it was just a really good way to watch. And I agree with you. There, that was a really impressive win. Great teams win ugly. And the more you talk about it, I also think that that is a, it should be a credit to Andy Reid too. Yeah. Like when your quarterback trust in the stuff that you're going to put him in and your team trust in the stuff that you're going to be running out there to where they don't feel the need to try to hit a home run and panic before, you know, before it's timed, you know, like they're like, we got this. We know our stuff is good enough to make this work. I think it's a testament to all of them. Totally. They're one great team. There's another great team that's been great. And they've been a dynasty that has been the Patriots. Uh, Bill Belichick might be doing the best coaching job of his career. We saw them go into Buffalo. They won. They were a touchdown favorite um, in that game. Wasn't Tom Brady? It was one of Tom Brady's worst performances in the past fifteen years. When you looked at just the um, you know statistics, right? But their defense, which Belichick is the defensive mastermind, through four weeks, their first in total defense, scoring defense. They've only given up six point eight uh, points per game. Their interceptions, they have ten, which is double the next highest total of any other team. And sacks, they're at eighteen. Statistically, they are off the charts. Are you buying into the Chiefs or the Patriots more? Um, uh, uh, this is a tough one. Um, I, I would. I am absolutely tongue-tied and on the fence. <laughs> I'm going to buy into the Patriots, Danny. And I'm only going to say that because every time I go against them, they prove me wrong, and they do it year in and year out. Um, and at the end of the day, I do believe in a one-game scenario, even though I think Patrick Mahomes and that offense is more dynamic than the Patriots. I think that the Patriots can script up an offensive game plan in a one-game scenario, right? To be productive enough to win a game. And that means I got to figure out whose defense do I trust more, and it would be the Patriots for all the reasons you just articulated. So I think that I'll say the Patriots. But if it's in a shootout, um, obviously I think Kansas City has more weaponry and they're going to be able to score more. All right, here's where I would push back. And I know you're like hearing you say that. I'm like, am I really going to go there and make the case for the Chiefs? I know. <laughs> like, I'm no, like, I, know. I made the mistake last year in December. Right. I'm like, and throughout the playoffs, it's like Chargers, they're going to knock them off. Oh, Patriots, they're going to go to Arrowhead. There's no way they're going to win that one. And they just kept, I know. kept finding ways to win. Here's what I would say I'm not buying in just yet. If you said right now, today, from what we've seen, I'm reserving the right to change my mind. Uh, the Patriots... The teams there, you got to look at competition. We do this in college football and in my AP Top 25 where I'm yeah, like, all it does is fair. win. And it's it should fair. matter who you're beating and you're winning yeah. games. But they beat the Steelers week one. Steelers have not yeah. been the same team they have been. Shutting out the Dolphins is like, I think my high school team could do that. Yeah. Uh, the Jets are a disaster. And that was with um, Luke Falk at quarterback. And then the Bills, I'm still not a big believer in the Bills offense. I'm a believer in the Bills defense. But holding them to 10 points when you knocked out Josh Allen, who threw three picks, and then you stopped Matt Barkley, I'm not willing to go there just yet. But here's the crazy thing. Their schedule, the re- they're gonna, they might be a record-setting, historically great defense because they don't face anybody. I mean, li- Joey gave me the number saying, hey, that's the eighth toughest remaining schedule. I would say maybe it's the, or it's the eighth easiest. I would say maybe it is the easiest, especially right. the next four weeks, three weeks. On the road against the Redskins, making Dwayne Haskins in his first start. Uh, then they have the Giants, who I get they're having Danny Dimes out there, but they're nah. still a very young team. And then they get the Jets again, who may have Sam Donald back, but they're still trying to figure out things. Then it gets a little bit tougher, but they're going to be undefeated through seven weeks. They're going to have a lot of confidence. Then it definitely amps up. But I just I look at them. I'm not buying in yet on this defense until they face Odell Beckham and Jarvis Lander and Baker Mayfield, until they stop Lamar Jackson, until they stop uh, you know Carson Wentz. Zeke and, and Dak, like until they stop some teams of note, 
I'm going to hold back just a little bit on the Chiefs' dominance. I think that's Patriots fair. Dominance. That's fair. Yeah. And then as far as the Chiefs go, the one wild card in all of this where I think even you would buy into me with the Chiefs, Jalen Ramsey is still sitting out there wow. wanting to trade. If the Chiefs get him, all of a sudden I think you'd be crazy not to say Correct. I'm all in on the Chiefs right. for that one. Uh, speaking of Andy Reid, who's the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, when we're talking about these two teams, there was a story that came out about his accomplishments – as a coach, but also some of the quirkier accomplishments that he has achieved, including eating a what was it, forty ounce, forty ounce, forty ounce steak in just nineteen minutes. Now I don't know if you've seen any pictures from Andy Reid when he was a child. I, so, so oh my god! Somebody said he drove to practice one night. Like there's, yeah. a, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, as like, like a twelve year old, right? And they said he actually like drove his parents' Model T Ford. I don't know what that looked like, some older antique car. Right. And you get this massive kid. I'm not saying. Like, my daughter's tall. Yeah. You know, like, he was gigantic. Like, I think people probably looked at it was like, is this is this different? Like, Correct. is this some sort of deformity? He's where the he's kid that, that shows up to your game and you ask for the birth certificate. <laughs> yes. You're like, this is impossible. But even still, I don't think it does it fair justice. Um, I can put back some food. My dad can legendarily put back some really? food. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know how you are. You're, you don't eat meat, so this isn't a Yeah, I don't even know what 40-ounce steak looks like. <laughs> like, what is, what is that? It's massive, first of all. I mean, I think you could look at it and just kind of say, all right, this thing is huge. But I don't know if I could put back a 48 steak in an hour, let alone 19 minutes. The fact that you do it so fast, I don't know. It's, it is gluttonous when you think about <laughs> it. But I, when I eat with my family, and this is where I, I, I inherited this from my dad, I don't like to be wasteful. Yeah. So I'll end up eating everybody else's. Well, you're that guy. Oh, yeah. I don't like um, food to be wasted. And I still, if I have a little room in the tank, yeah. I'm going to make a little spare room. So are you, move some apart. Are you a leftover guy? No. Family? I, I'm, not, I'm not a leftover guy, although it kind of frustrates me because I do think it's wasteful. Right. But and I've and the times that I've told my wife, hey, let's bring it back, it always ends up sitting there for two days, and then we throw it out anyway because it just doesn't taste the same. Are you a leftover guy? Uh, Chinese food, yeah, but I'll be one because I, I like it sometimes better a leftover. But you know, I've got like my my I've got people in my life that like if you go to a restaurant with them, it doesn't have to be their food that's left over right if you have something over there that's left over they're gonna be like you'll box that up no way like, no I, that's no you line. can't box up my food <laughs> right. like you box your own stuff up that's don't right. box mine up hey but they won't don't want to be wasteful no that's right and, and i understand they come from a different yeah it's a different time all right good stuff there all right welcome back to canel and bell um kirk cousins my guy yeah 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 it's really hard to defend him i've, I've given up on defend him he's had a rough start to the season huh? Uh, leads the NFL since 2015 with 46 fumbles. Oh. Um, the biggest knock against him has been he hasn't been able to win the big game. Oh, big say. games keep coming and going, and he still hasn't won the big game. Odd. I still like him. He's a good individual. Okay. Yeah, 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 but that yeah. doesn't mean I'm going to sit out here and pound the table, although it is early. They can turn this thing around. True. That's true. Fair. Uh, my buddies at uh, Freezing Cold Takes got me the other day because I said I tweeted out when he was signed by the Vikings – he will be the equivalent for Minnesota, what Drew Brees has meant to New Orleans yeah. when he was signed. Hasn't played out just yet. I still think it's too early, though. But nonetheless, Adam Thielen, after their past uh, loss this past weekend, kind of went off in the media uh, and called out the passing game. Yeah. I don't think – because it was ugly. And the Bears are a really good defense, and they didn't put up many points. And Adam Thielen was like, we have to be able to pass the football. We can't go out there and be this run first, only run in the football game or, or run the football team, or we will not have much success. So he kind of goes out there. People took it that he was crushing Kirk Cousins. I thought he was more making an appeal for the offensive coordinator and the offensive staff. Right. And to Mike Zimmer, the head coach, hey, last year we put up pretty good numbers throwing the football over the place. 
I think he was making more of that a plea, but people were saying, oh, he's throwing Kirk Cousins under the bus. So Kirk Cousins came out. He was asked about Adam Thielen's comments, and he said, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Adam Thielen. I apologize to you. I should have made some of those throws. There were opportunities. You are right. So I apologize. I think it was a smart thing to do. You know why? <laughs> because your boy right here. You apologize. I had to apologize to a defense one time. So this is what happened. Completely different stories, though. Dude. I don't know These if it's two completely different. <laughs> These are not even in the same stratosphere. I support what you did. Tell the story, please. Tell the story. So I was the quarterback of the New York Giants. We were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Tampa two, like John Lynch, Warren Sapp, uh, Hardy Nickerson, Simeon Rice, uh-huh. like really good teams coming off Super Bowls. We're playing them in Tampa all week of practice. I had sat out because of a back injury. It's one of the. It's really one regret. I have my. I have a bunch of regrets, but one of the bigger ones I had. Did not practice once. And I said, you know what? I want to show my teammates I can gut through it. Got shot up. Played in the game. First third down of the game, I throw this little, it's called a Texas route, where the running back goes out to the flat, and then he cuts into the middle. Uh-huh. And there's a little combination with him and the tight end behind him. And so I was like, oh, this is a good call. Third down. So I throw it to Tiki Barber. And when the running back, it comes in on his in route. He's supposed to do whatever he can to get in front of the middle linebacker, the yeah, Mike linebacker. Stepped in front of that. That was Hardy Nickerson. Hardy Nickerson stepped right in front, pick six, other way. The rest was history. Ugh. Threw three picks in the game. It was awful. Like, I had an awful game. Atrocious. I got benched for Ket Cram in the late third quarter. Only had 83 yards passing, which is embarrassing. Like, I'm embarrassed to say that out loud <laughs> of how egregiously bad that is. But it was awful. Sure. So after the game, I went around. Because our defense actually played pretty well. We had a pretty good defense. It's like, hey, man, this was my bad. We got to do better on offense. I'm sorry. I didn't deliver. I felt awful. So I went around the the defense and apologized. New York mediated up. Uh, They were like, oh, you know, Canel, sorry. Like, I think it was on the back page. Like, Canel, sorry. (laughs) But it was more like Canel is sorry than Canel. Sorry. Exactly. They had a field day with that. But you think this situation's different? I I do because you, in the heat, like, in the heat of the battle, like, you know, I, I think we all have gone around and apologized like right after a game. Do you know what I mean? Like when right. you feel like you could have done more, you're like, dude, it's my bad, man. I should have I should have made that shot or like, you know, I, I knew he was going to pull up. I should have been there, whatever. I, I don't – first of all, I, I'm not mad at, at, at Kirk Cousins. I just don't think you need to do that. Like you don't need to apologize to an individual about not getting them the ball. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I tried to get you the ball. And our, we just showed like four instances where he tried to throw the ball to Adam Thielen. Plus, I, I, I'll echo what you said. I don't believe Adam Thielen was throwing shade at Kirk Cousins. I think that was an overall like schematic type of philosophical uh, quote that he was given about their offense. Like Stephon Diggs? Yeah. I, I mean, I got him in fantasy. I know. <laughs> My man is not catching any balls. There are no balls coming that way, right? So I think that was what they were talking about. And I just think it's like, Kirk. Don't be out there apologizing. Like, don't or, be out there apologizing to, to individuals specifically. Okay, that's that is. I don't think that's a good look. You want to apologize to the team? Like, you want to say something like that? Cool. But I'm not gonna. Even if I thought as Kirk Cousins that Adam Thielen was calling me out personally, do you know what I am not then going to do? Apologize to that fool in public. Right. See, that's where. And this is even looking back on my situation. The media didn't know, need to know that. Correct. And I, I told them. Like, it was a quote from after the game we found from the New York Times. Uh, I feel responsible. This is me. I feel like we let the defense down. I had to apologize to them. I didn't have to say that. Like, and he, he didn't have to make it known that he apologized to Adam Thielen. Just say, hey, we had our differences. We're going to try to make things better. We'll get this turn. You just you kind of go into a cliche mode. Sure. Just, hey, 
that we're facing adversity. We're going to keep battling. We're going to start fresh this week. We're going to keep things going. Like sometimes I think you can get in trouble by giving too much information. And Kirk Cousins, just the bottom line, and he said it last week. We're starting to hear this a lot because I don't know if you remember this. Last week he said, um, look, I'm not going to be the quarterback around here much longer if I keep playing this way. And then he played again bad. Like, it's not – he's saying hey, the right Kurt, things. No, nah, Kurt, holla at me, dog. You're PR. <laughs> you don't do that. Don't do that. Right. Don't start saying I'm not going to be the quarterback around here for too long. Don't do that. You write your own ticket. You Correct. write your own, your own future. That's right. Don't do that. self-fulfilling prophecy. All right, welcome back to Kennell and Bell. As we finish out the show, we got two showdown in a couple minutes. But we need to get to the Shaquille O'Neal versus Dame Lillard beef, the diss tracks being uh, – hurled back and forth at each other yesterday i'm mad at myself because we were talking about this and we only heard Shaq's side of it yes. where he came out there and we were saying it was an ether it was like uh-huh. this was vicious and we were like oh if you're dame how do you go back at Shaq?" and the only thing i'd come up with is weight forgot about so many things that dame <laughs> Lillard was not gonna let go and he had plenty of material right so let's break this thing down we've got it broken down into four clips let's start it with the first one and dame lillard's resp- uh, response which was rain rain No Kazam, ain't no flexing for the gram. I'm for real. I promise you don't really want to meddle with me still. All your personalities, real characters could get revealed. They could have did a track together. Just pass the torch. Was lit without you, brother. I was busting off the porch. Call 911, ha. Busting off the porch. Look inside that statue at Staples and find a court. Dollar. <laughs> All right, that's pretty nasty. Gets him a couple good ways in that one. Yeah, he so he is a rapper, rapper. Like he, he, like this is. So you do think he is? No, I've never you said that he like wasn't. In the realm of Nas and Jay Z. Nah, like you're talking about. Well, no, but the way you say those rapper, are, rapper, those are all time greats. Like, no, I don't, I don't know that he's an all time great. Right. You can tell that my man well, is legit. like. This is, yeah, this isn't like a hobby for him right you know what i mean yes like this is re- this is real life for him it sounds like at least you know his flow that's that's, that's tough not yeah. just the wordplay but the, the flow is tough wordplay right? is tough i do think it was interesting that he actually like in that bar right there he did kind of say to Shaq, like you could have reached out to me we could have done some sort of yeah, collaboration like as you were the original rapper like right. even though he didn't put out an entire album the way or multiple albums the way dame has that it was there so i was like man we uh, have more right yeah all right let's just do another one. we got another clip He bought the copies. Should've just passed me the torch. I got no remorse. I beat him like Rocky. I feel the take up with diesel. You jealous of me and I see you. Shoot any crack like your freak throws. No, you see my pockets deep, so you flexing ain't really your thing, bro. We both could be working at King Ghost. And Kobe won you them rings, don't owe. Nursery rhymes So I think those were the most obvious. Free throw percentages and Kobe winning you rings. Like I thought those were the two most obvious, and of course he put it much more eloquently and much like harsher and clever. Yes. He uh yeah, I mean look, when you get into this game, when you're Shaq, hey, you are now fair game, sir. So everything is going to come to light. Continue. Like this is yes, he's this is where I thought you know, Shaq's was etherish just because like I didn't see it coming. It was just out of blue, and he really went at Dame. This has trumped that. He is. Oh, yes, this is trumped that. Let's has. go. Let's continue. All right. Let's hear another one. Uh, okay. I think we messed up the clips a little bit. But do you – so my question for you now, because we were on a text chain yesterday. A couple things I'm curious to know from your standpoint. So we we saw this become popular. I don't know when Shaq's diss track was dropped or when it released. 
But Dame's response came really fast. Came really fast. That gave you some some. I was like, man, you think this is uh, this is Dame trying to prop up and get some? Because I don't think a lot of people knew Dame Lover was a rapper. We've talked about it a couple times on here. Now all of a sudden, everybody's talking about it. Do you right. think there was any sort of WWE style marketing plan that's not like you just uh, hey, this is it looks organic and it looks like they're mad at each other, but this was all scripted. Nothing surprises me anymore. So there is a chance that that would. That that could have happened. Um, I would just say some of the stuff that was said by both parties are personal. Like, do you know what I mean? And, and they might have co-signed on that. Like, yeah, dude, go ahead, do whatever you got to do to me. This is all, you know, for for the end objective to be achieved. Uh, but there was some personal stuff being. Thrown. There was. Yeah. Have you ever watched Lip Sync Battle uh, with LL Cool J? I forget, yeah. like uh, Chrissy Teigen. Yeah. She's the yeah. judge. They'll do it, and they get pretty harsh on those, and they're right in front of each other, and they're kind of laughing. And they like when they do some rappers, right. they get into it where some pretty nasty things that are said. I don't know Dame's relationship with Shaq. Right, that would I'd have to know that to to be able to like weigh in on whether this was scripted or not. I just don't know. Right. Uh, last question: Do you think there's a response coming from Shaq? Because we were wrong. I'm looking when... forward to it. <laughs> like, I'd like to hear it. I don't know that you can win. I'd be like Adrian in this one in, in Rocky Four. You've seen him. You can't win. Like, so I would advise it. But I thought you, the but... same thing for Dame. You know, I thought he didn't have it. What are you going to do to respond to that? He came out and shredded him. Yeah. I was yeah, wrong I, on that one. I hope it does. It's Hey, it's fun for us to break down. We'll come out with another listening session <laughs> on the show. All right. It is Wednesday. Let's do a little shoe showdown before All we right. get to our shoe reveal. Let's look at some of the uh, drops that are coming up. Uh, Nike has teamed up with Uninterrupted for a more than Air Force One. Okay. Which got um, this LeBron James company, Uninterrupted, has come together. The goal, the shoe gets inspiration from LeBron's I'm more than an athlete campaign. I'm all for stuff that has. Love it. I do too. I also like shoes that have really, uh, like the I am more than on the back where it's yeah. like handwritten. Yeah. Where it actually looks like LeBron might have written it. Yes. Like, I like that. I like that style. I like it too, except what's the price point on it? Yeah. Uh, it is, doesn't say on here, October 10th, it's going to be released. Because there was a pair of black and white Air Force Ones the other day I saw that were coming out. Yep. They wanted like $140 for Air Force Ones. Oh, really? Like, I don't know when that happened. Right, right, exactly. You know what I mean? When did Air Force One? So, like, I love the shoe, but were you charging 170 for it? I'm out. Well, let's listen to what LeBron said about the shoe and why it's special. But the greatest thing about this box is that it comes with personalized Sharpies. Royal, more than royal, and black. Also got a couple uh, pins in here, more than an athlete pin, Nike Air Force One pin, and also a force pin. Um, But I'm going to show you why this is personal to me and will be personal to all of you i'm gonna go with the left shoe first and the more than blue and we are allowing everyone to write their own message on their own shoe so since this one is mine my mantra i am more than an athlete Nice. That's pretty cool. What? What do, what do you mean? What? What do you? So you, you? So you can do. I am more than a dad. They I produce, am more than they produce a the, broadcaster. They produce the shoe for you. Yeah. Like, or you just get to use a sharpie and write on the back of your shoe. You get to use a sharpie on the back. Of I can do it to any pair of shoes I have. Yeah, but they're not the Air Force Ones. I can I take a sharpie and write. I am more than on every single pair of shoes that I have. You are correct. You can pay one thirty for that one though. That is the price of those Lord, shoes. Man, I don't know. It's kind of cool. I think it's cool. 
hey, you know what? I might have get there and have my daughter's color on them. Good for you. Right, whatever they want. Uh, be cool. Uh, all right. Other sneakers that yeah. are coming up. The Jordan 9 white and red combo, the classic Jordan 9 silhouette, gets clean. It's my least favorite Jordan, maybe. Yeah, I'm not a I never loved fan that, of that one. one. The other thing I don't like about it, and I've got the 9s in the UNC color with the 23 on the back, which I like the colorway, but they have the double, like the sock inside, yeah. which makes them heavier and bigger. Like than they already are. I don't know. It just like takes up. They're really clunky. That's a clunky shoe is the best way to put it. I will always remember that shoe in Carolina blue. I'm pretty sure Jerry Stackhouse, Jeff McGinnis, and Rashid Wallace. Yep, that era. Uh, that era. That I'll always remember that shoe for that. But I, I never loved it as a playing shoe or a walk around shoe. It's too high to really wear with jeans like really well, and it's too clunky to play in. Like I, I just didn't love that one. Uh, how much time we got, Joey? All right, we got time. Let's do Le- LeBron Lebron seventeen in the arena. Uh, that are coming out. Those are hot. Those are black and gray uppers with speckles on the Nike check. I actually like this kind. I don't. Aren't they called Oreos in some like yeah. other way like that? Yeah. I like that colorway. Again, I'm out on all the LeBrons just because they're so big. Well, those are. Get, I mean, they're, they're usually funky, but they're. You see how that that little forefoot, like that pod, is out to the side there. It gives it a wider forefoot. Yep. Like they get a little clunkier, but the the sleekness of the front of the shoe, like the way the the lip comes up, it's kind of like a running shoe almost in the front. Yep. I kind of like those. I do like the front of those yeah. too. All right, let's do our shoes. I talked to Ruben. I said, hey, you got to hook me up today. Uh, so I came with another pair of fours. Yeah. I knew you. I, I showed these before, and you didn't like the neon uh, green glow. You've recycled again. So have you. I, re- I brought these already? Yes, you or, brought those already. Did I? You don't even remember. I, I even don't. Remember. Ruben yeah. hasn't seen these. I don't going to bring right them out, now. though, because I pride myself yeah, on not I recycling. Nope. All right. So I pride myself not? on not recycling. I can't even bring it out. Should I? All right. <laughs> no, you have to. I, I contemplated today because I had one yeah, that I hadn't brought. I've seen these before. And I brought the 11, uh, the, the, the snakeskin 11s. Those aren't um, bad. I don't even think they're similar. Like you're doing my shoe a disservice saying they're similar <laughs> to those. But I, that's my bad because I pride myself on not recycling. I'm so, right, do you hear that, Ruben? I'm so he disappointed. definitely brought his. I don't remember. Maybe he I still don't. said Danny wins. There we go. It's about time. Who said Danny won? Ruben did. Our judge and executioner. Ruben <laughs> lost all credibility. No, he so. hasn't. He's our biggest sneakerhead around. Good he knows Lord. what's up. Good stuff. The force right there. Somebody <laughs> hook us up. I can't keep buying shoes. <laughs> <laughs>